0: I'm Cadence Debuse, and this is Real Fit. This week I'm so excited to announce our latest sponsor, Dibs, a New York City based company that is bringing pricing transparency to the fitness industry. On dibs, you can book individual classes at a price that is based on real-time demand. This means you'll pay a bit less for classes that aren't quite full, have a new instructor, or take place at less popular times. The earlier you book, the better the price. You can try it out by clicking the Choose Your Price button on our website or visiting on dibs. Check them out. This is Real Fit Podcast. I'm Caden Stabuse, and we're recording today in producer Katie's uh, bedroom in Prospect Heights. And we're talking with Roz the Diva. I don't know your actual real name. <laughs> it's Roz Mays. The- Roz Maze. <laughs> That's because we met on Instagram. <laughs> so uh, we're going from Instagram to real life, and uh, I was originally... I mean, check out Roz's Instagram and her whole, uh, everything that she's doing, because I've been following her for a while, very much enjoying all of her live videos that she does and rants about things and inspiration and awesome photos and outfits and glowing shoes. Um, And today we're going to talk about uh, her story, about um, plus size representation, uh, unique bodies, uh, being... um, super fit and doing uh all the work that you're doing which i'm
1: really interested to hear more about so also introduce yourself Sup up squad my name is Roz the diva and i'm coming at you i was gonna say i was i was literally about to introduce myself like i wasn't sitting 10 feet from you like i'm in brooklyn duh like what else am i actually gonna be so um, and yes, the government name is Rosalind Mays, um, but you can just rock with Roz the Diva because that's the really Googleable one. So <laughs> I mean, at this point, like Roz the Diva and Ros Mays, one of the same. So whatever you do it, just uh, go ahead, follow me, see what happened. Can you tell us um, how you got into pole
0: dancing and, you know, how long have you been in New York and how does this all started and you and starting to promote yourself the way that you do?
1: Sure. So I've been pole dancing. Uh, we just hit 10 years in October. So I don't know how I still have shoulders. Uh, surprisingly, my hips haven't given out and my back still works. So that's pretty awesome. Um, it was just a class at the gym that I was going to. It had the word dance in it. And I was like, oh, let me try it. And I had no idea. It was the hardest thing I have ever done with my body and I was fairly terrible at it. Like not like a little, like it was rough, Um, but that's everybody when you start, everybody sucks real hard when you start pole dancing. And um, I just, I just kept doing it. You know, it was, it was fun. So when I did it, it was the best time failing I'd ever have. And that's, you know, still to this day, what I tell my students, and I've been teaching now for about seven of those 10 years. And I tell them that this is the best time failing you're going to have in a classroom setting. And I think it's pretty true. I like to think that I have a good class, uh, a fun class, uh, if nothing else. And, you know, it's just it's really been my gateway drug into being a hardcore gym rat and now meathead. And uh, before I was doing this full time, I was uh, a career coach for brown kids, uh, brown college students. And essentially, my job was to keep them off of the Internet, naked and cursing and drinking. And well, we see how that ended up for me. So. (laughs) So. So.
0: I think originally I got in touch with you because you did a video where you were talking about not wanting to completely align yourself with the plus size movement and also talking about, um, being like a very fit person. And you had a lot of, um, strong feelings about that. And a lot of people were writing underneath your photo. And then I was like, I want to talk to you and I want you to be my podcast. And then we were briefly talking about that outside. Um, but can you just say a little bit more about that? And, and, um, Also, your
1: role and your voice, you know, in that as you see it. I still consider myself very much a newbie and a newcomer in the plus size world. Um, And I think a lot of that is because to me, um, a lot of plus size culture is focused on fashion and who is making clothes for people like us and who's wearing the clothes for people like us. And I've no problem with that whatsoever, but I've never been interested in fashion like that. So I, I still don't know a whole lot of people in like plus size period, because I feel like, you know, the people that I see on Instagram and other social media accounts, so much of it is focused on fashion, I just don't care about it. Um, but I do rock with plus size athletes a whole lot. So if you're in a gym doing something, um, I love that. And, and I, that's not to say that, you know, that makes you me or anybody else better because, you know, we're plus size and working out. It's just, that happens to be my interest. So naturally I follow other accounts and I, I'm really cool with other people who have a similar interest. And, you know, one of the One of the reasons, too, why I haven't gotten super deep into the plus size community is because sometimes um, the loudest voices in any sort of sense of community or any group. When you agree with the opinions of those voices, then it's like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Yes, let's rock. It's my family. But if you happen to disagree with those voices, then it's like "Mm." Um, an example of this would be. Anytime a larger celebrity decides to have bariatric surgery for whatever reason, there becomes a flurry of opinion pieces and articles and statuses and all this other stuff uh, about that person. And it's almost like, well, we, they get completely disavowed, like you're dead to me um, Gabby's suit a bit, ah, damn, I, why can't I say her last name? Gabby. Anytime somebody makes a decision regarding their weight, um, you know, again, putting, putting aside the reasons why they're doing it, it turns into, I thought you were one of us. I thought you were like with it. I like, oh, we were so wrong about you. We can't stand you. We hate you. Go die. And I was like, good Lord, people, let them live, bitch. Is it that deep? So I find being on the fitness and health spectrum um, a tricky place. Well, I mean, it's not so much tricky for me because I just do me, but it's um, it's an interesting place within the plus size space to be in. So that I think also is part of why what I was interested in because um, you were
0: kind of bridging, this idea of like a non-normative body but also a very fit body which i think is not a a, a voice that has as much reach as like the people that are m- more speaking about fashion um, because what you're doing is is extremely athletic and clearly like takes training and all these things and you're relating to your body in a very different way um, and s- yeah I, I just if you could speak a little bit more to that and your experience just being like an athletic person um who has this
1: voice and this um image that you're putting out well first you are so kind to consider me very fit (laughs) um i definitely i would say that i'm in decent shape but i'm not where i'd like to be and i (laughs) let me interrupt you
0: (laughs) this is a great conversation which i feel like i have to do like a a separate one where it's just me ranting about this at some point (laughs) but because this is my favorite thing also just in my classes to to rail about what are our definitions of fit because my definition um which i you know teach to in my classes is versatility so having strength having stamina having flexibility and essentially having some amount of uh, a great degree of choice over your body in terms of um your ability to just like uh jump on a bike and bike somewhere if you need to go hiking with your friends without being sore for four days take a yoga class just because you're like oh that seems fun and not be like halfway through like i'm gonna die um i'm not talking about like running a marathon or or like a kind of more um into an athleticism that someone is training for a specific thing um my goal for the majority of people is that we're all just being generally at a high level of comfort and health and balance in our bodies so that we can do any physical thing that we want to do and then obviously if you get super excited you can decide to do a triathlon or whatever but i haven't had the opportunity which i will be taking your class after this podcast which you know (laughs) we'll all see on the instagrams um but i'm going to i will expect that i will be very sore because it's different from what i normally do i don't think i'm going to not be able to do it because i'm also quite fit but it's like it's totally different from my own stuff so like um that's kind of what what i'm also just personally measuring is just like i know i'm fit enough to try something i've never tried before but i also recognize that that's a pretty high degree of strength and stamina to do what you're doing so um, i would come back at you and say no you are fitter than you're
1: saying <laughs> well you know this is uh the gift and the curse about athleticism and when you get really into athleticism because i would say So those things that you mentioned about being able to go on a hike and just live your damn life that I'm very fortunate because I can do and I'm excited that I can do that, that I can, you know, I walked probably about a mile and then maybe a mile and a quarter, but probably like a mile from the G train here um, and didn't really think twice about it um i wish it was kind of sunny outside but you know that's the only thing and you know i can haul all my bags home from trader joe's at once and just make one trip up the stairs so in that regards 100% you're on there i think where my i think where my uh perspective gets real wonky is when you start to hang around a whole bunch of meathead athletes your basis for normal is all off so you know if we look at most of america which isn't doing shit and they're just straight chilling then yeah you know we look like wonder women (laughs) um but for me personally when i i know where i want to go and that's why i say i don't feel like i'm in that good a shape right now because i I know where in theory I could be like with deadlifting, for example, and like lifting weights like I'm obsessed with weightlifting. I just it's a new thing that just caught my attention. So, you know, my dream is to put a fire truck on my back and just electric slide down the street. And since I'm not doing that yet, I can put like a large middle school kid on my shoulders and electric slide. I'm like, okay, this is cute, but what about this fire truck? So my standards for myself are ridiculously high um, and I don't, I'm not sure if that's going to change. It probably should change, um, but at least I can say for my clients and those that I work with, then we're far more human. Then I am 100% aligned with those goals. I want them to just be able to live their lives and enjoy it and not think twice about, well, you know, if we're if we're going to do this, like, is there going to be, if there if we're going to go swimming, is there a life vest that's going to fit me? Mm -hmm. You know, can I actually get into this kayak? Can I, am I able to paddle myself? Am I able to basically contribute? So somebody else isn't literally and figuratively towing all of my weight behind me. So, uh, with, I, I I guess, hopefully. Um, I don't think I'm alone in this one, but certainly for my clients, then we're a real person with actual expectations that can be met. And then with me personally, no, <laughs> we got we got a long ways to go. Um, and uh, but just getting back to sort of the the bigger picture is, I th- there's gotta be an art to speaking and working with plus-size athletes and you know that art is learning how to speak without being a huge douchebag and to yourself or to your clients or just teammates or anybody else that you work with um, i think it's really important also to recognize that bodies move differently and that the traditional rules of athleticism and the standards that were developed for every sport, you know, 99 times out of a hundred were developed based based on a slender, traditional looking body. And in my line of work, I've seen where I've had to break rules, particularly in pole dancing. I've had to break rules because I am literally twice the size as a lot of my other friends, I'm 250 right now, and I have friends teaching who are 110. And so the same holds and their same approach to certain movements. There's just no way, like by law of physics, there is, there's no way it's going to work for me because you know, my boobs are in the way for doing something. So um, I have no idea if that answered your question, if I just started rambling. So <laughs>
0: that keep, like there's a lot of um, gold mines in there. So. One, I want to say, I think it's so important. I mean, it's. There was a whole moment in there where you were talking about, like, people like us having different goals for ourselves because we've sort of seen, you know, what's possible and we're like on that precipice where we could push ourselves in that way. And uh, I totally agree. And uh, so I think it's so important that people see. I. I have clients all the time that just think that a fit body is like a skinny body. And I wish that I could record my super skinny clients saying how weak they feel and how much they wish they were bigger and stronger. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I have uh, people just making this assumption that if you're like a little tiny person, then they must be fit and that that is so often everyone's goal or their measure for themselves of like oh i've been going to the gym or i've been doing this new activity but i'm not any smaller and it's we're so warped as women that this idea smaller is somehow you know a better but b fitter which is so rarely the case because if obviously if you're putting muscle on hopefully you're actually filling out in some nice ways but i think um me as a teacher i know that fit bodies look all in all different ways but i think it's so incredible um, what you're doing just putting yourself out there and um that's a really nice image of like a hoping you can fit into a kayak and b you're like deadlifting you know like a fire truck you know what I <laughs> mean <laughs> and that's not that's not gonna be everyone's experience um of both people who are deadlifting something like that and someone who is having trouble getting into a kayak. <laughs> Those yeah. people might also, you know, be like, oh, I never even thought of that. Um and that also makes me want to um, talk about the other thing we we're talking about outside, outside about uh, representation and um, how, how you and I dress differently for teaching, which just came up <laughs> totally like off the cuff out of nowhere. But I think that's uh, useful to talk about more because um, I taught a workshop at the women's convention in Detroit. And um, in case people li- ris- listening to this podcast didn't know that I was white, I'm white. <laughs> and uh it was i mean i thought i understood how uh, representation is powerful but i didn't and when i was at the women's convention i had two experiences that really floored me one listening to black women speaking on stage um to a primarily white audience and it wasn't a Lauryn Hill concert, which is the last time that I had that experience in 1997. <laughs> Ooh, <she's, laughs> not, I'm not sure she's all the way on the team. She's on her own sub team. That's a whole other thing,
1: but I get it. R- you know album, what I'm ed- saying? Dang, that was a good album.
0: So uh, that was a powerful experience. And then also, uh, I taught the most diverse group of people that I've ever taught in my life, including disabled people, elderly people, um children people were bringing their kids to the class people of all colors all backgrounds people from other countries it was it was like a just an incredible um group of people in the room and then i just kept thinking about how i had nothing to offer them um i interviewed a woman that we had on the podcast before and i sent her cause she has really terrible back issues and i sent her a book on um foot massage with like you know little massage balls and posture And I was, like, so frustrated that this freaking book I'm sending her is full of just pictures of skinny white people, basically. And I was like, cool, cool. That's going to be so inspiring for you (laughs) in your terrible back pain to look at, like, skinny blonde lady with no ass. And, like, (laughs) um, and, uh... I don't know. I just want to talk about that more and a, in uh in, in just the smallest, tiniest way. The only way that I had experienced that is being um, fairly curvy for a white girl and growing up around a lot of um, really waspy looking. Well, that's not like the worst thing to say ever. Uh, people in the very colonial town that I grew up in. And so <laughs> I would have had a very different experience of my own body if I had been in, lived in a more diverse area. Um, I probably, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh i just 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 to introduce better what we want to talk about here instead of hearing me ramble about slowly opening my eyeballs is um uh i dress fairly conservatively when i teach for two reasons one i teach a lot of like non-conformative bodies and i don't feel the need to like show off like my whatever um because that's not what i'm there to do and i also recognize that it's sensitive and that a lot of people come in because they feel comfortable with me and they feel comfortable that i'm not trying to impose something on them and i'm not trying to make anyone be me or anybody else um and two because i i have a pretty i would say sexy body (laughs) and i feel often uncomfortable putting it out there because it's quite feminine you know juicy as one of my friends says and it it feels easily sexualized and that's something that i struggle with personally and it's also something that really inspires me about yours your whole thing and why i want to take your class too because um i don't know if you saw my story that i put up when i tried to get to your class but i put up being like i'm heading to pole class with raza diva and i have no idea what to wear to pole class so i panicked and now i'm wearing a turtleneck <laughs> <laughs> and p.s raza's literally wearing a sequin like shorty jumpsuit talking to us so i think i missed the mark <laughs> i have a better idea what to wear
1: Oh my gosh. Um speaking of black women who rule the world. Can we talk about the Michelle Obama Ave Maria candle yes. candle? Like you don't understand I already took that that's going up on somebody's social media. I, I didn't know they made dollar store Michelle Obama candles. I do it sometimes in the morning till Oh my gosh. My best if you God. don't go th- Oh. ooh, just that touched me. I just want to let you know. Um, Second of all, (laughs) um, so I can I don't know if you were looking for this, but my theory, um, which I think is actually pretty true, is perhaps one of the reasons why you may not have been able to teach a lot of diverse groups so far is because people will perceive you just based on your looks that you're you don't experience diversity. And so this is where, you know, because you you're awesome white woman, but you know yeah it's yeah. <laughs> like so it's popping don't even worry about that um but it, but uh, this is where representation where i have an advantage um is people will travel 90 minutes and cross state lines to work with me and i ask them why on earth did you come here from pennsylvania this morning to come and take a class with me like i feel like you can find a weight in pennsylvania somewhere they're like you're the only person who looks like me and As we were also mentioning outside, you know, that's an advantage that I don't take lightly. And it doesn't mean that somebody if they take class with you or take class with me, that they'll have a better experience with one of us. It's just going to be different. And there's something about seeing people who walk the walk that. That could be the difference. I could see people having to start with me and get their confidence up so they can go to you. And I so I'm I'm a black woman and I'm overweight, obviously. So I'm a triple minority. Like I know how to be in minority places, but I'm guessing you probably don't or you don't have nearly as much experience being the only one who looks like you every single day of your life so for me um it's I I too notice in textbooks and one time I tweeted NASM so I was like can we please Get some diversity in these 500 pages that I just read of seemingly traditional, perfect, slender looking athletes, because especially now that I'm a trainer, I've been working in fitness for seven years. That's damn sure not who's coming to class. And it's not my reality. And I think those are things that I would not have noticed if if it didn't affect me personally and you know i'm i'm gonna notice if i'm the only black person in a room if and if i'm the only one without a six pack i'm fortunate because it doesn't stop me from being in the room but um but i know for the majority of the clients that i work with it does stop them from being in the room which isn't entirely fair because that is also looking at someone who looks like you and assuming that you have nothing to offer me that you're going to be like everybody else. You're not going to care about this. You're just going to shove weight loss in my face. So I don't think that that's right either to make that assumption. Um, But I do understand why people would flock to my class. People, non-traditional athletes would come to my class before they came to yours. Yeah, it, it's, um, it, there's a lot of complicated layers in there. And, you know, especially because minorityhood is exhausting. It's wonderful. I'm not switching teams for anything because we got Michelle and Beyonce, bruh, bruh, and Oprah. I didn't even get into Oprah yet. So I'm not switching teams for shit. But, <laughs> um, but it's also, there's something that's really nice about going someplace and just, taking all that baggage putting it down for five minutes and having a bloody cocktail then you know you know you're gonna have to pick up all the bags again you're gonna have to you know still perform but you just need just a few minutes to sit down and rest and so that's the best way I can think of describing the importance of representation and diversity uh
0: that's beautifully said (laughs) but uh my question to you is how can people who don't have the benefit that you have of being able to directly reach a a different population how can people in my situation who want to diversify their clientele um how can we do that is there a way to do that
1: i think um first of all your mindset of wanting to do better is amazing and i think one way you could do is go into different spaces go work out in different neighborhoods than where you live work maybe take even try different activities like if your goal is to get more male clients then you know if you only go to bar classes odds are you're not gonna see a ton of dudes there as opposed to if you if you did something you know maybe like this is real sorry gender gendering 101 but like if you went to like football camp you're probably going to find more dudes there so i think the way to do your to do that is to put yourself into those places or those spaces from something i think now how people can do that literally just sitting and listening to this right now go follow some social media accounts that you previously wouldn't have. Maybe it's somebody in a different sport, somebody who does not look like you, does not act like you. Something real out there that doesn't cost any money. It doesn't cost any time. You don't have to go across down to a weird new studio. You can literally insta-stalk them. And I think that's a start, um, I don't think that's enough to just look. I, I think there's, as you explained before, nothing is going to substitute experience and lived experience. So I think start by seeking out those voices, listening to what those voices have to say. And if you like it, share it. Tell somebody else about what these voices have to say. And because then it's your you know, I'm probably, there's probably people listening to this podcast who've maybe never heard of me, which is so amazing. Hey guys. Hey. So <laughs> this is an amazing, um, example that you're setting of have somebody who is similar, but not, kind of but not really and giving me a chance to say something so thank you guys so much for including me and bringing me on this podcast today because it says to me that you do have an actual commitment to diversity and not knowing what the results of this particular podcast might be you're still willing to put in the work to do it so I don't take that lightly and I appreciate that
0: I really appreciate you um coming out here. I know we're all three of us hustling and on my bike right over here. I was like, I could also rename this podcast Three Really Tired Smart Women in a Room. <laughs> yes, <that's>
1: exactly. to <laughs> 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 go to the next gym? I know seriously.
0: <laughs> so, um with that, thank you so much and um i keep forgetting to say this but please everybody follow me also because i know some people have found this podcast just randomly you can find me at brooklyn strength on instagram and that's where i put most of my stuff and i'm going to be live streaming and trying to do more of that thing to reach more people and uh, i'm also hoping to team up with ross for various fun things so um look out for us both thank you so much everybody